Welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church. My name is Connor Hass. I'm here with Mike Shera, and we are really excited to dive in right now to part one of two, a little uh, kind of one-two punch uh, combo podcast discussing the question, how do we engage with people who are in various stages of struggling with the faith or being in danger of leaving the faith? So, Mike, we are getting into the text of the book of Jude, and we're kind of lining this up with what you're preaching. You're going to be preaching Jude. What, what are the verses? 20, 22 and 23. 22 and 23 this coming Sunday. And so we just want to, we want to take a little bit of a deeper dive into that right now, uh, and then we'll resume this conversation next week. But we really want to ask a question with three different categories— First, people who are doubting. Second, people who are in danger. And third, people who are defiled. How can believers interact with them, love them, pursue them in a way that is God-honoring and biblical? Um, that's the question for today. So, mm-hmm. Mike, let me let me pass it to you right now. I'd love it if you could lead us in this conversation by just giving us a little bit of a macro overview, maybe, of what kind of you're seeing in this passage in Jude, and then we can get into some more practical questions out of that. Right. Okay. So here we are, 25 verses in Jude. So it's very brief and he gets to the point right away and he wants to, he wants to talk about salvation, but he realizes he needs to, you know, emphasize very strongly that the church is to contend earnestly for the faith once we're all delivered, because there have been some people who have crept in unnoticed and they are basically false teachers and not just bringing false doctrine, but they are living ungodly lives. And so we saw that from verses 5 through 16, it's all about what these people are like and, and a lot of pithy descriptions. Then you get to verse 17, and it's, here's what the church is to do. It's this call to persevere in mercy. And there are five imperatives. The first imperative was remember the word of God, right? You're going to believe what God's word says, but you're going to beware what the, the false teachers are doing in their life that is ungodly. And then the second imperative was keep yourselves in the love of God. Continue on as Christ continues you. Persevere as God preserves you. Then we come to verses 22 and 23, and you've got three imperatives. So you've got have mercy, then you've got save, and then you've got have mercy, show mercy. Right, right. And mercy, mercy, so those are in 22 and 23, those are the same words, same Greek word. And then the word for save is the word sozo. It's, it's the word for salvation, where you're rescuing, you're delivering. So it's all done in the context of mercy, showing mercy. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea of, you know, you're dealing gently with those who are doubting. So you're going to remind them of the truth, but you'll remind them strongly. And then you're going to deal very quickly with those that are in danger. So you're going to rescue those in danger. And that's like, you know, I jokingly said, what, what if your iPhone falls in a fire pit at the beach? Um, while the, there's a fire going and you're not toasting marshmallows here, you're not going to say, oh, I want it to get a little, a little more toasty. You're going to you know, dive in and grab that or kick it out of the way or something. It's the idea of this is impending, clear and present danger right now. Do something, act. And then the last one is mercifully refuting those that are defiled so that they would be restored and repentant and reconciled. But this has to be done very carefully, of course, but it needs to be strong. So that's what we're seeing in this passage, um, three groups, and I think the biggest group is probably those that doubt. Yeah. I yeah. was going to ask you, do you think that maybe just for, for someone who's still trying to get their head around this, 
Could you give us some kind of like a description or not a caricature, but just kind of a, a little bit more built out understanding of what, what is each, what's going on in the head of someone in each of these groups? What's going on with the doubter? Describe that person. What's going on with the person who's in danger? Describe mm-hmm. that person. And then what about the defiled person? And kind of where are the lines of demarcation that divides, you know, these three groups out? Okay, that's a great question. So this is pretty simple to look at. First, you've got doubters that are kind of wondering. They're questioning and this is a lot of people. Am I really saved? Is the Bible really true? I'm hearing these things that sometimes make some sense to me, but I know they don't maybe line up with the Bible and they keep, maybe they're entertaining um, ideas that aren't helpful. And so you want to keep reminding them of the truth and pointing them to the truth and just steady dose of healthy food rather than junk food, spiritually speaking. Right. Okay? And just to, just to jump in, yeah. would you say that that group is a group of believers or unbelievers or maybe sometimes a little bit of a combination of both? Okay, that's a good, that's a good um, clarification because I'm, I'm assuming these are all believers uh, it, that, are, that are doubting. Okay. So have mercy on those who doubt. Okay. This would not be a false teacher. This is someone who's in the church, they're professing faith in Christ, and they're just going... How can God forgive me after all the sins right, I've committed? Right. How can the gospel really rescue me? How can Jesus really want me because I'm so wretched? Hmm. Or how can God be good because I see all these things happening in the world and I don't understand? And they're starting to kind of maybe kind of cave in a little bit. You see some dents in the fender, you see some cracks, some fault lines. So there's that first group that those are that are doubting. Now the second group, those that are in danger, those are these are believers, but they have they have adopted. They're adopting some ideas. They're 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 kind of they're kind of taking on the the flavor of the false teachers and even getting sucked into their ungodly lifestyles. And these are the people that you'd be a little worried about, like in the youth group or in the adult right, groups, right. where you'd be like, they seem to be a little shaky. And do we? And this is the hardest thing: do I just let it roll, or do do I jump in and say something? Yeah. And I think. I think we're too timid and too slow to, to correct sometimes to the point where they get to that final, you know, defilement where they're, right. they're kind of gone. Right. They're now in the camp where they're, they might even be saying, I am not a Christian. And by the way, just to be clear, the Bible doesn't say whatever you say you are, you are. Yeah. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible calls Christians the elect uh, saints, right? The holy ones right. being made holy by God. And that God chooses those whom he will save and those he is saving obey Jesus. Right. So that if someone starts saying, I don't even consider myself, you know, here's the the script that people like to play nowadays. Uh, and they almost read off a script. I don't consider myself a Christian anymore. Well, they may be like Peter that was really deceived and came back to the Lord. He quit and then he, and Jesus re, you know, recommissioned him. But they may be like Judas. They never were saved. And they're just explaining what's really true about them. So sometimes we're too quick to say that person's a believer or not a believer. Hmm. And just because you take people's word for it, you have to, you know, trust with verification. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So we kind of reserve in some sense that a more lasting judgment until we see a pattern of someone's life for a time, maybe. Like if I, I just, you so. know, if someone has a, a doubt or something where they're mm-hmm. really, they might just be captivated by an unbiblical idea. I'm not going to immediately slap the label of unbeliever on them, but mm-hmm. I'm going to obviously be praying for them, interacting with them, and just kind of like seeing where they would slide on this scale. Are they going to move towards faith, or are they going to kind of land in this final camp right. of being among the defiled? Yeah. 
let's do this. We're gonna we're gonna shut this down in a, in about a minute, and then we'll then we'll we'll pick it up next time. But let me bring something up about just those who doubt, and then next time we'll we'll address more rescuing those in danger and restoring those who are defiled. But I just want to there's some words that I want us to latch onto, and, and the first is is comfort. That those that are doubting don't need condemnation. Okay, sometimes we are too easy to condemn or even condone, or or celebrate someone's sin. And you don't want to condemn them, but you also don't want to celebrate it. But let's just say they're just doubting and they're just like, they're kind of weak and they're just wondering and they do need comfort. They do need compassion, but it's strong comfort and compassion. It's all directing them to Christ. It's all reflecting the glory of God in Christ. It's it's where you continue to take them back to the word rightly handled. Totally. No, I, I'm thinking, of, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but John Newton had a friend who... Mm-hmm. You know who I'm talking about right. right now? For his whole life was just struggling with assurance of salvation. Never felt that he'd really come to a place of peace. Just was constantly wrestling through this. And I I remember reading the story of how John Newton just continually throughout this man's life was comforting him, writing letters, just constantly. Was it William Cowper, was it? Was it Cowper? Maybe. Maybe I had the okay. wrong name. Okay, I don't want to. No, but I, I was wanna... wondering if it was his because they were friends. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, maybe it was. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Okay. I just remember reading that story and thinking, wow, what a what a neat example of, you know, this isn't the kind of mercy that you have for a day in a, in a single conversation or a month or, mm-hmm. you know, even even a year. But this might be the kind of thing that would endure through an entire lifetime or a friendship. And mm-hmm. yeah, well, consistency really... is, is probably a big word of a consistent connection relationally. Yeah. That you keep with someone, but not where here's the other thing, though. Some people keep that connection, but basically just allow them to keep wallowing in sin and the person just gets more hardened the the cement keeps getting more set mm-hmm. and you should have rescued them right yeah right yeah well super good stuff uh listeners that was just part one so tune in again next week and we're going to kind of jump back into this passage but until then we love you we're praying for you throughout the week um and we are really thankful uh, that if you're at Grace, we get to be in the body with you and have these kinds of interactions. Uh, we love you, and we'll talk to you next time. Have an amazing day.